Welcome to Crown Conversations. Joining me today are Sarah and one half of the Rainy Day podcast and everybody's favorite AHL insider, Zach from Ontario Rain Insider. Zach, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. So Zach, let's start with the spot check news. Um, Daniel Brickley is going to Manitoba and spot check is coming to Ontario. He is. Um, some some roster moves today here for the Ontario Reign and just a situation where the Reign were pretty deep on defense. Um, when you factor Mikey Anderson into that group, you've got seven, eight AHL caliber defensemen um, and maybe a little bit less depth up front. So the move today designed to kind of combat that you're dealing from a position of strength um, with a defenseman going out and you gain a forward. Um, a right shot centerman, something that the rain didn't have on the roster. And it gives them some depth on the stretch, not only for the current group, but you know, if there's an injury or a call up from the Kings, it makes the rain a little bit better suited to handle that and not lose out on their depth um, for a playoff push. I think it's a really good move here for Ontario. Everyone wishes bricks the best um, with Manitoba. He's a talented defenseman who um, wasn't necessarily a reflection of his play as much as it was just how the rain roster was kind of constructed, I think. What does this do for Jarrett Anderson Dolan, who has been double shifted quite a bit for the last few games? I mean, it, it adds another center to the mix, um, which is big. Like the rain loss gave Velarde um, to the Kings, uh, which is obviously a big loss. He's a really skilled player. When you take a player like that out of an AHL lineup, you can't necessarily just replace him. You know, like first line, second line centers like Gabe don't just come out of the woodwork and you know, make themselves available to you. So it put a lot more pressure on a guy like Anderson Dolan, um, who was, like you said, double shifted in a few games. So adding a guy like, like Spachek, and we don't really know 100% yet what he has and what he'll bring, but adding someone else who can play the center position uh, is really big. Um, we saw it with Tim Schaller, who made his rain debut this past week, who can play center and wing and just the more depth you can get, I think it definitely will relieve some of that burden that was placed on Jed. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it, it kind of seems that the team struggled a bit early on and now they're making a big playoff push and they've been rolling pretty much since January. Um, what do you think has really led to them I don't know, refocusing or whatever it is that all of a sudden, maybe not all of a sudden, but now they're, they look really good. 
I mean, you had you had talent the whole time. Like the there was a lot of talented players, but you had a lot of 19, 20 year old kids who were still learning how to play professional hockey. Like you had a lot of guys who came from juniors or college or Europe who had never played together and had never played North American pro hockey before. And it takes some time. Like you have high draft picks or highly talented prospects or really skilled young players. And while they're good, it can sometimes take, I think, a little bit of time to mold them together to play that winning style of pro hockey. And you saw at the beginning of the year, there were so many ups and downs, like the peaks and valleys on this team were ridiculous. Like you'd see these crazy comeback wins and then they would lose by six goals and there was no consistency. And now over the last 20 or so games, you're seeing that consistency, that professionalism, it's all starting to come together. And I think you're really seeing like how good this team can be when they play their game and they're 13, two and two in their last 17 games. They're putting themselves in a really, really good position to, make a push for the playoffs and it's been a lot of fun to watch. It is a pretty young and inexperienced team, as you mentioned. Um, and I know that one of uh, the hallmarks of Mike Stether's coaching is always preparation and what it means to be a professional hockey player. So because they are so young and inexperienced, how does he and the coaching staff really convey this message to these kids who are, just coming out of juniors and, and college? I mean, definitely it takes time. And, you know, it's, his, it's not just like you say something and then one day, like these guys are all going to pick it up at the same time. Like it doesn't work that way. Everybody's development path is different. And I think one of the big things here with the rain is there's a coaching staff and then there's also a leadership group, which is a group of veteran and older players. That's kind of that intermediary between the players and the coaching staff. And it starts with a captain and Brett Sutter, who's, a terrific leader and someone that everyone here rallies behind. He had his hat trick the other night and his teammates were, were so happy for him. And there's a really good group of veterans here with the rain that helps the coaching staff to kind of communicate the message to some of those younger players. And it's not always, you know, that they don't want to embrace the message or don't know. It's just, it takes some time sometimes to get rid of old habits and create better new habits that, you know, things that you could get away with when you're playing against. 16-year-olds in the OHL don't work when you're playing against 30-year-olds in the AHL. And it can just take some time to maybe get those habits out of your game and to become a professional. And I think now, like, you're starting to see those things come together and the Rain are just playing so well right now. What would you say is their identity as a team? Meat and potatoes, as Mike Stuthers would say. They're not going to be the team that you're going to see with seven highlight real goals a game. They're going to be gritty goals. They're going to be second chances, rebounds. They're going to be shots through the point, through traffic or redirects. Like it's just, you know, the way that they've had success is when they, they play a hard physical game, they get in on the forecheck and they force turnovers. They, they make the smart plays. They make the right plays. It's not about, you know, going for like the sports center highlight with this team. I think they, you know, that when they get that consistent play, that just hard-nosed, physical, simple style of hockey, that's when they're at their best. And you see that, you know, they're the top players in this team buy into that. Like, you see how Carl Grundstrom plays the game. He can score. He's a goal scorer here with the rain. But the way he gets his goals is by playing hard. And he contributes in a lot of other ways besides just offense. And you see a lot of guys in that mold who, when they're playing well, that's how the rain are scoring goals and it's how they're they're playing hockey. 
I was remarking to Sarah after um, a, a couple of weeks ago when I, I came back from Ontario and after I talked to Mikey Asamon, I was kind of like, they, they sort of remind me of the 2012 Kings where it's all about, uh, for lack of a better word, focus. It's, it's the, as, as I guess as Mike Southers puts it, the, the meat and potatoes, the, the hard work, they're, they're going to be the team that outworks you every night. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I mean, I think when the rain play their style of hockey and when they can impose the game the way that they want to impose the game, like they can play with any team in the AHL and they showed it on Friday against Tucson, like the rain were 0-7 going into that game against Tucson, but they came out, they played the way that they wanted to play the game and they scored eight goals, which is the most they've ever scored in a game at home. So it was really cool to see that, especially against that opponent. And they know that like when they play the way that they want to play, they can match up against any team out there. In the last few weeks, the Rain have had a few kind of highly emotional games with, um, I believe it was the the Condors and then and then the, the um, Roadrunners that you just mentioned. And then the next mm-hmm. night, it's kind of hard to get yourself back up and, and get invested in the game. So what does it mean to to come out and have such – an emotional game and then I guess kind of what does it mean the next night as is is like when we talk about having such an emotional game the next the the previous night I think this weekend was a prime example of that because they they went out and they beat Tucson for the first time this season on Friday an 8-4 win the ring put a lot of energy and a lot of emotion into that win but when you're in a playoff push like this and there's one team separating one point separating, you know, the team in the playoffs and the team out of the playoffs, like you still have to go out and win the next night. Like that game's just as important as Friday night's game was. So it was really impressive to see how the rain just kind of found a way to get it done on Saturday. It was a zero zero game and then a one zero game against them for pretty much the entirety of the game. They get a late goal from Blaine Byron off of an Anderson Dolan assist. They just find a way to will the puck into the net. They force overtime, they kill a penalty in overtime and then come away with a two to one win in a shootout. So Sometimes in those games, when you maybe don't have much left in the tank, like the rain were on the back end of a three and four, the Condors hadn't played all week. You just have to find a way to get it done, and good teams, playoff teams, find a way to do that. And I thought the rain did an excellent job of that on Saturday. Um, speaking of Blaine Byron, how big and how important has he been to this rain team? What a great ad. I mean, I don't know what future considerations means in the AHL per se, but it can't be as valuable to Springfield as how valuable that Blaine Byron has been to the rain. Like what a great ad that the rain got back in December. Um, he's a guy who could fit in as well on the first line as he does on the fourth line and anywhere in between. He plays every, every role you can ask. He can play on the power play. He can kill penalties. He works extremely hard as a forward and he's getting rewarded. You know, he's not too far off from being a point per game player with the rain. He got that huge goal for Ontario on Saturday to force overtime and then eventually get the win. Uh, And he's just been a guy, he plays a quiet game. He has a quiet personality as Mike Southers said on Saturday, but his versatility and his valuability have been so big for this team. Sounds like he's going to be an important player, not only in their playoff push, but should the rain make the playoffs, he'll be, definitely counted on. 100%. I mean, he's playing on a line right now with Jared Anderson Dolan in the middle and Matt Luff 
on the right wing and the rain kind of have a one, a one B approach right now with that line and the Grunstrom Sutter Rempel line, but that goes to show them you're trusted to play those kind of minutes, you know, with those caliber of players. And that just, I think says it all about how, how much Blaine Byron has been valued by the rain. Now, Focusing on the back end of the team, or rather the last line of defense, the uh, the goal the goaltending situation. Cal Peterson obviously recalled to the Kings and doing an outstanding job. Um, is this now Manny Valalta's net to lose? Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's taken the net and he's run with it. Um, when Cal Peterson went up, um, it'd be hard to say that everyone was you know, confident that he would be this good, but he's not only been this good, but he's exceeded everyone's expectations. Walter's done a very nice job filling in for Cal Peterson. I think a lot of that's because he learned so much from Cal Peterson, seeing how he prepares as a professional and practices and, and improves his game, works on his game during practice. And that's rubbed off on Maddie. And he's done such a good job of keeping this team in the hunt. You know, he was the first star on Saturday. He was terrific to start before that on Wednesday and now you pair him with a veteran goalie and Kevin Poole and he's got NHL experience, a lot of AHL experience in the rain, have a pretty formidable tandem in net. Um, when Cal went up, you might not have, you might've thought goaltending was what could hold this team back. But since Volalta has taken on that lead role with Poole filling in as well with a couple of victories, it's proven to be the exact opposite of that. Like goaltending has been one of the strengths of this team. Sounds pretty incredible. And he's only 20, which blows my mind. 20 years old, and he's got, you know, the calmness of a wily veteran in there. Like, you'd never know it with how calm he is in that, that it's his first year pro. And, you know, before when Cal went up, he only had a handful of starts. Like, it was under 10 starts to his name. And he stepped in, and, and the team hasn't missed a beat, you know, with him and that. There's a lot to how much he's put into improving himself this year and good on him. Um, should the rain make the playoffs, how much will they miss not having Martin Burke and his incredible slap shot? I mean, I, a lot, but it is what it is in this league. Um, obviously you miss a player like that. Like Martin Furk is the rain's leading scorer. He's almost a point per game player in this league. When he got called up, I think he was in the top five in the AHL and goals and he's, He's about so much more, I think, than just that shot. Like, it's obviously, it, it's, in, it's incredible. Um, but he's a true goal scorer here in the AHL. He's one of the best, if not the best, goal scorer in the league when he's playing in the AHL. So you obviously miss a player like that. Um, but it's given other players the opportunity to step up and fill a bigger role. Uh, maybe it gives Mikey Asimov a chance to play more minutes and, and play a bigger role. Blaine Byron, a guy who stepped into some of those minutes um, when Ferk's up, um, a Matt Luff or a Carl Grundstrom gets a chance to be a big player for the rain. So, you know, while it does hurt to not have a, a guy like Martin Ferk because he is such a, a very talented and skilled player, um, and it's just kind of how the AHL works, right? You want guys like that to go up and earn their roles in the NHL, and then it's up to the next guy to take that role and then prove he's the guy who earns the NHL opportunity, and then you go from there. So while it leaves a hole, it also creates a big opportunity for other guys to fill that hole. 100%. Um, and it's what you want to see. At the end of the day, the AHL is a development league. 
and you're here to see like Martin Furk, you know, he wasn't necessarily a, a prospect when he came here. He was, had already played with two NHL organizations, Detroit and Carolina, and he came here and earned his time in the NHL. He was sent down through waivers at the beginning of the year, and he came down to Ontario and played so well that they had to take a look at him in the NHL, and he goes up and continues scoring there. So it's been really, really great to see him kind of find his home with the Kings. He earns that contract extension, and he gets his time, and he shows the guys who are behind him in the order in Ontario that you know, they can do the same thing. So it's up to those guys, guys who are maybe playing third or fourth line minutes to dictate with their play that they deserve those minutes that Martin Furk left behind. And it's a really nice opportunity for some of the younger guys here in Ontario to do exactly that. It seems like um, Mikey Asimon has really stepped up his game over the last few weeks. He had a four-point night a couple of weeks ago, and then he scored a goal – this past weekend and it was it was a big goal he's um he's one of the guys who's been signaled out by a number of people coaches general managers development staff as being a guy who's really taken his game to another level from year one to year two um his points per game has almost doubled from his first year to his second year rob blake talked about him in this post trade deadline press conference as a guy who's who's impressed. Mike Stuthers has said the same thing. Nelson Emerson has said the same thing as he's a guy who had his struggles in his first year, but he put in the work this summer to get bigger, faster, stronger, and came back as a completely different player in year two. And I think you're starting to see those dividends of a guy who really did put in the time to get better from his rookie year to his sophomore year. And now he's, you know, a contributor for this rain team. And he's one of those players who can step up and be really valuable as guys like, Martin Furk go on to the NHL. So it sounds like for Rain fans, and I guess Kings fans too, Asimont is definitely a guy to keep an eye on. I think so. Um, I think when the general manager of the Kings, you know, mentions your name as one of just a few names that were mentioned as a guy who stood out on the Rain, I mean, that definitely bodes well for you. Um, so it's good on him for taking those strides from his first year to his second year. Um, and it'd be be awesome to see him maybe get some NHL games uh, at some point this year. Well, the Kings, I know, only have one call-up left, so I'll be really curious to see if and how they use it and uh, who they decide should come up. It's a big one. <laughs> that one that one call-up spot left, it's, it's, it feels big. Yeah, I guess, guess we'll have to see, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, I just have a couple more questions. Um, so the rain, obviously, like we talked about, we've been talking about, they're making their playoff push. Every single game they play is within their division. So it's a four point swing every night. That's, that's got to weigh heavily on the players, right? I mean, when this schedule first came out, I thought it was awful because the rain saw like no diversity in who they played. But then when you get into the playoff hunt, and every game is so important. You start to really love the schedule because the rain down the stretch have 13 games left, and 10 of those games are against Colorado, Stockton, and San Diego. And San Diego, as of this recording, is one point behind the rain. Colorado and Stockton, the two teams directly in front of the rain. So those games are just so huge. Like you're playing the teams that you're chasing or that are chasing you every single night. So like you said, it's not a two-point game. It's a four-point game. And 
there are going to be some really, really intense and exciting games coming up starting this weekend as the rain go to Colorado for the final time and play the Eagles twice. On the one hand, there's a lack of diversity, but on the other hand, it's scouting, free scouting for the playoffs, right? Pretty much. I mean, if the rain are going to make the playoffs, you know, these are the teams that they have to beat. And I think it, you know, even though you know, the Pacific division at one point, it looked like Tucson and Stockton were clear. Like it looked like they were in the playoffs and the way that Colorado, Ontario, and San Diego have played as of late combined with those two teams just playing. Okay. It's really narrowed the division down to where, Maybe a month or two ago, you would have said there's no way the ring could catch Stockton, but the ring played Stockton a few times down the stretch. They could catch Stockton, or they could catch Colorado or Tucson, and they could be caught by San Diego. San Diego is in the same boat. They could catch those teams. So it makes these games so much more intense down the stretch, and you're certainly going to know very well the team that you play in the first round uh, if they're fortunate enough to make it. Does that present a big challenge for Southers and the coaching staff to keep the team very even keel emotionally throughout these games? I mean, 13 games is a lot, but it's also not a lot. And then there's only five points between them and Tucson right now, but only one point between them and San Diego, who is behind them. There's a lot of emotions there. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think, this team really wants to make the playoffs. They've shown you know, the commitment and the desire to be a playoff team. And it's just a matter of doing it on the ice. And I think it's focusing, you know, it's a cliche, but just taking it one game at a time, just like in this league, you really can't afford to look ahead. You just got to focus on the game at hand. You never know from one day to the next, like who on your roster might get called up or you just don't know. Like you have the team that you have that day and you play the team that you play that day and you can't really control what's going on around you. Like the, the goals won Friday and Saturday this weekend too, as did the rain. So the teams were flip-flopping in the standings, even on the same day, you know, they would switch places while one game ended and that game was still going on. So you, you just have to focus on the game at hand. And while it can be challenging, I think Stutz does a really good job of keeping the staff in order, keeping the team in order and just kind of keeping them focusing on the next game, which is really all you can do. It's not in your control otherwise. Is this where the the leadership group on the team, especially the the veterans like Kulin, like um, like Sutter, are they? Is this kind of where they they where they come in? Kind of where the t maybe the younger guys, if Anderson goes back, for example. Um, or Villalta, you know, is this kind of where they, they look a little bit more and lean a little bit more heavily on these veterans, these guys who have been through it all? I think so. Like you look at a Brett Sutter, he's made the playoffs many times in his AHL career. He's played in these big games down the stretch. And I think it's a time where, yes, they look to, to those veterans for guidance, but it's also, this is when the young guys are playing their best hockey of the year. It's when they're peaking. You're seeing Matt will also play his best hockey of the year. You saw Mikey Anderson playing his best hockey of the year before he got called up. And you're seeing guys like Bjorn Foote and Anderson Dolan. They're stepping into those roles as well as being guys who are playing their best hockey of the year. So while it is important, I think, to lean on the vets, you're also seeing these young guys kind of take the stage as, you know, this is our time to, to be at our best. And they're going to be just as important, I think, to getting this team into the postseason. Awesome. Well, it's, it's going to be really exciting and uh, good luck to the rain. And Zach, thank you so much for joining us tonight.
yeah, thanks a ton for having me. So there you have it, folks. If you're interested in playoff hockey, the Ontario reign of the AHL is where it's at. They're fun, they're young, they're exciting, they're scrappy, and they're hungry. They are a Hamilton song, apparently. You can follow Zach on Twitter at Rain Insider for all of his future insights and ongoing information about the Ontario Reign. It's going to be fun. I definitely would recommend going to see a game if you are in the SoCal area. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back with more Crown Conversations. And welcome back to Crown Conversations. Thanks again to Zach Dooley for joining us to talk about the rain and their playoff push. Hopefully they have good luck and and San Diego has very bad luck. And I'm not saying that just as a crosstown rival from from the Anaheim Ducks. I'd be super cool with San Diego just losing everything. (laughs) That'd be awesome. Because they, they, they like the two teams really do like they do need to keep pace with each other, and it'd be great if San Diego lost them all, and then the rain <laughs> didn't have to worry quite so much. <laughs> that would be super if you could do that for us, goals. Thanks. Actually, I was talking to CJ, who is the current Emmy for Anaheim Calling, which is the Ducks SBN blog, and he was like. Yeah, fans are really upset that the goals are bad this year. I was like, I'm not that upset. <laughs> I mean, because all their and all- I think, Yeah, I think you're going to say the same thing I was going to say. Is that I, I think the thing with the goals is that so many of their good players have had to go up to the Ducks because either of injuries or just the Ducks need people to play for them. And so the thing that makes me scared about the Ducks is that, you know, once Anaheim's season is done, you know, there's still the AHL season runs longer than the NHL season. So all of those guys are going to come back to, to San Diego and, you know, the, the rain could get back Cal Peterson and they could get, get back Gabe Velarde and Mikey Anderson, if he's still up with the Kings, but you know, they're not going to get back like half of a roster who spent a huge chunk of the year in, in the AHL. So the goals could be really scary, uh, especially once, the NHL season ends. So I'm just hoping that like, like Colorado and Stockton right now are above the rain in the playoff standings. And um, those two teams could be possibly decimated by their NHL clubs calling up a whole bunch of players to kind of be like black aces during the play, their playoff runs. So I feel like this whole Pacific division playoff race is going to come down to literally the last game and maybe if we're lucky some sort of very obscure weird tiebreaker scenario (laughs) uh because it's 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 so close and tucson was running away with the lead and now they're not they've kind of slumped a little bit colorado was ahead of them for at least a day uh it it really is kind of like zach was saying like the standings are changing basically every day and uh it's gonna it's gonna be something to watch and i think that king's fans will at least have something to root for down the stretch um, to hope for the rain to get in. Yeah, I was like keeping a really close eye on the standings. I think it was Saturday when the rain and the the goals were like flip-flopping in the standings. I was like, come on! I think it was Barracuda. Uh, yeah, so I was really upset that the Barracuda lost to the goals after leading them. I think it was like three to one or something. And then I was like, oh, San Jose, why are you useless in every way? 
And I mean that about the sharks. They blew it. (laughs) And then the goals just beat Stockton, which I was really disappointed about. But I think Calgary is going through a rash of injuries. I know that the Coyotes don't seem to know what being healthy looks like. I think, I'm not sure that they've been healthy since um, even before. Ever? (laughs) Yeah, ever. Um, Yeah, I I know, yeah, so the Coyotes are still pretty injured, and they're having guys who are injured all the time. Um, And Condors, that's the Oilers. We don't really have to worry about them. I think their season series is finished with Ontario. Yes. But the Oilers just got back um, Kyler Yamamoto. So they're a little less injured, but you don't – but with Colorado – and Calgary in particular, um, they, they get a few injuries. And, and, you know, as both those teams look to for their playoff push, they may call up one, of, one or two of the really good players from their farm teams. And hopefully they do. Because <laughs> the less we have to see of the Colorado Eagles, the better. <laughs> just just waiting, for all, waiting for it all to be over. <laughs> oh, well, the, the good and the bad news is that the uh, NHL season ends, I think, for the Kings on April 6th. So there's only two more games, at least for Ontario, um, in the AHL that continue after that. So you never know what can happen. Well, it could be a, a crazy wild game. Or yeah, in, magic. In the, <laughs> I, I hope so. I mean, it, it's kind of like Zach was saying. There's... It's buy well, Asimon told me it was buy-in, but Zach kind of mentioned it too, that things are starting to click with their young pros. So, I mean, Sutter, uh, Sutter, Stuthers has incredible patience, in my opinion, to have such a young team and then just keep the pace. I mean, all he's done is say, look, you have to be a professional. Being professional is being prepared, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I mean, he doesn't yell it at them. He doesn't get super angry when they turn the puck over and, and they, I mean, he, he's not emotionless or whatever, but he's very even kill, which is amazing for having such a young team as, as the rain are. Yeah. I think that patience is, is, it's just so important. Like he, he's content to just ride it out and just wait and see, you know, eventually they'll get it. And I think that's sort of evidenced too by like the fact that they'll have these wild swings of one night they get blown out, two nights later they, you know, have the reverse score and it's the same team. Like it's just such weird outcomes. And so much of that is due to, you know, the teams being young, they're being constant, like moving around between the NHL and the ECHL. Like people are always on the go and he's, yeah, he's just so patient with them and, you know, I, I feel like he, he lets a lot of them figure it out on their own uh, without, you know, being pushed. Like, I, I feel like it's very much of a like, okay, here's the tools. We are setting them out in front of you. Like, do you want to be a pro or not? Like, seize the moment, kid. <laughs> and, you know, you can see guys like Asimont who really picked up his production and, you know, guys who 
have really made that change in their game. And I mean, even I was talking about this on another podcast, even someone like Bokui Mama, who this year has set like new highs in all of his points totals and, you know, also a new high in penalty minutes. And even at the like training camp and preseason games, people were like, he has come in here like a totally different player and he's playing with like a fire under him that we haven't seen from him before. And, you know, he, he like, he, maybe he's, he's bought in and he has, you know, committed to playing the way that, you know, the team wants him to play. And, you know, the past couple of years, you know, his first season, he had like one point total or something. And now like, he's playing more than he isn't playing. He's not, you know, these are crucial games and he's in the lineup. He scored a goal over the weekend. Um, You know, he's not being scratched in favor of someone else uh, because they can't, they feel like they can't trust him, you know, to play the game the right way. And so even someone like him who is just like a depth role player, you know, he's not counted on for scoring. He's counted on for, you know, grits and character and all that stuff um, has had such a big, uh, change in his game between one year to the next and that's just you know buying in and being part of the team I thought it was really interesting how Zach talked about this is the moment that the the kids kind of realize it's their time to shine you know so they're they yeah they can lean heavily on Sutter and, and Poulin who have been through playoff runs before I think Sutter has been with them since their 2015 uh, Calder Cup run. I could be wrong, but I mean, he's, he's had a long storied career in the AHL and, and same with Kevin Poulin and they both have NHL, ex- well, I think Brett Sutter has NHL experience, but regardless, it's, yeah, they can lean on those guys and I'm sure that they do, but it's also, this is what you've worked for. This is, it's now or never, and they're picking now. And I think that's like that's really inspiring, and also it should feel good for Kings fans to know that they have guys out there who are learning the right lessons and who are learning to play the game the right way, and who are committing to, you know, to getting the job done. And I think that you know, a lot of people look at the rain roster and they, you know, outside of the Jared Anderson Dolan and Matt Luff and, you know, Grundstrom, like the the names of guys we know because they have been in the NHL already. I think people kind of discount the team or, or like, yeah, whatever. Like there's nothing there. We already called up Martin Furk and Gabe Velarde, like whatever. But, you know, a, a team isn't going to be made up unless we're talking about the Olympics. Like a team isn't made up of 12 first liners and you need those depth guys you need the Matt Luffs and the Mikey Esamons I'd love to see him get a get a couple games just to you know help keep him motivated too um but I, I think that yeah seeing these guys buy in and seeing these guys realize like this is our moment and you know watching Matt Villalta who is a child <laughs> basically <laughs> like come up and be so good in net like I was not expecting him you know he like like Zach said he's had like 10 starts or something I was expecting this to go very poorly but he looks fantastic in the games that I've seen and I mean you watch that and how can you not want to like run through walls for this kid that has just come (laughs) out of nowhere seemingly uh to be yet another really great goaltender out of this system um I think it's gonna be really fun to watch and it's gonna be a nail biter I think yeah for sure I just I mean 
the story of Matt Villalta, who probably came into the season not expecting a whole lot. I think it took something like almost 25 games before he finally started the season. And he was good. Like, he was prepared for the game. It's It would be real easy at 20 years old to be like, oh, great, okay, I just, I guess I just got to be patient or whatever and just kind of bide my time. But no, I mean, he actually came in, he was ready, he was prepared, and he acted like a professional, which for somebody who was 20 years old, that is huge in my opinion. I was 20 years old. I could barely get my butt to class and all I I had nothing writing on it except my own pride and a whole lot of debt. Um, like I just I mean it kind of amazes me just kind of how well Villalta has done and now he sees that this is his opportunity and he's he's embraced it. And he's like, not only has he risen to the challenge, but I almost think that he's exceeded the challenge or whatever at this point. Most definitely. And I think that it was really important that at the beginning of the season, when they were playing Cal Peterson for those like 20 games in a row or whatever, that they sent Matt Villal to the East to, they sent Matt Villalta to the ECHL to get him to start some games instead of just sitting on the bench. Like I think they, they invested in him by, letting him go somewhere that he was going to get regular games and you know get to play like is it stellar hockey no like I have seen enough of the Fort Wayne comments comments and follow them enough to know that like you know these are like seven five games every night you're not getting the best of anything but it got him games and it got him you know, the reps in that he wasn't going to get in Ontario until they decided to give poor Cal Pearson a break. Uh, but, you know, I think that was really important for his development to send them to send him there. I think a lot of people look at the ECHL as like, oh, well, that guy's there. Like he's going to be, I mean, Jonathan Quick went to the ECHL. Like, I, I don't think that you can discount it, especially for a goalie. Like you just want him to be playing somewhere, anywhere, and not just the practice guy. So He's had an interesting path to get here, and he is definitely seizing the moment. Yeah, the old Ontario reign when they were still the ECHL, those were not good games. They were not really a good team. Um, Although, to be fair, I didn't really follow the ECHL that closely. I just kind of was like, oh, hey, there's a hockey team in the middle of nowhere in California. Like, cool, whatever. Surprise. (laughs) My favorite thing still always is that like players being surprised that they're like, oh, you're going to Ontario. And they're like, wait, not Canada. (laughs) I I feel like that's usually people outside of California. Uh, Anybody outside who has not grown up in or around Southern California. They're just like Ontario, like in Canada. I'm like, being from LA myself, I'm like, well, it has the same name, but it's actually in California. It's only about 60 miles southeast of Staples Center. So, you know, it's, it's pretty close. <laughs> I just want one guy to pack like extremely wrong someday <laughs> because he misunderstands the assignment and he gets there and there's just palm trees and he's like, ah, crap. <laughs> He's got that parka meant for like minus 10 when it's blowing everywhere and 
It's not even, it's not snow. It's that weird, icy, crusty nastiness. You know what I'm talking about. You're from Chicago. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you mean the parka that I have to figure out what to do with every time I come out to LA and like, I'm like, well, now I got to be responsible for this coat for the next week until I have to go back home. <laughs> Yes, because you like to travel in the winter because you live in Chicago. Because <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> but yeah, when you know when it's you know negative ten Fahrenheit and it's blowing, it's crusty, it's icy, it's nasty. You don't even want to go outside. It's just so ugly. But you have to because unfortunately you have a day job and everything. I just want one guy to like pack that and get to California. It's eighty degrees and he's going. Oh, what now? <laughs> Fortunately, there's a giant mall next to the rink in Ontario. <laughs> How fortuitous. All right. Well, I want to shift focus really quick to the NHL. Um, that was possibly the most Kings game ever. Uh, actually, this weekend was the most Kings weekend ever. So you play a really bad team. And you kind of have an okay game. I don't think you saw the New Jersey game. It wasn't that good. You really didn't miss anything. I I watched the I watched overtime, which <laughs> was apparently all I needed to actually see. Yeah, basically. God bless you, Adrian Kempe. <laughs> you know that. Oh, <laughs> I feel like I feel like that weekend was like a tale of two teams. Like it, it was. The Kings finding two very different ways to win against two very different opponents. Neither game went the way that I thought that it was going to go. Like, it, it was a very Kings weekend. It, it was. And, you know, Jonathan Quick, he made, he, I mean, he had some, like, vintage 2014 saves against the Devils. And I was like, oh, okay. It's, it's really weird because I feel like Jonathan Quick was, just okay uh, in the first half of the season and then a little bit after the all-star break slowly it's like we're seeing vintage Jonathan Quick from like 2012 through 2014 really start to come back but he wasn't terrible at the beginning of the season he just wasn't a game breaker like we're used to seeing with him and then in comes Cal Peterson and good lord uh I sometimes wonder if he misses part of the AHL. Obviously, I know he wants to be in the NHL. I'm not questioning that. I'm just saying it's a little bit easier, and he was only facing 35 shots on average instead of 40. Well, it's probably nicer to put, to face those, you know, 40 shots once a week than 38 shots three days in a row or something. <laughs> True. That that is uh, definitely true. I, I was he fit, okay. So in his last two starts, it was a combined eighty shots on goal that he faced. I was like, um, oh, I hope I hope everyone bought him like a dinner <laughs> of his choice. Like he shouldn't have to pay for his own meals for quite some time. <laughs> Although I I do think that Jonathan Quick really kept the Kings in that game against New Jersey. I mean, New Jersey's not a good team. And and their goal was a little bit ridiculous and a little bit silly in both senses because Nikita Gusev just, he just kind of pantsed like all five guys on the ice. <laughs> it was a little bit like, 
um, they, they just got caught up in, in his dangles, I guess. And then he scored a really beautiful goal. So that was, that was an interesting game. But, but Jonathan Quick did come up with some, some big key saves. Of course, nothing compared to what Cal Peterson did, both against the Penguins and the, um, the Golden Knights. I wonder if this is, uh, well, it's going to say conspiracy theory, but no. I wonder if this is a, a new, um, what do you call it? I, I can't even think of the word off the top of my head for some reason. Um, but they're, they're, they're just going to start quick against, like, all the bad teams, and they're just going to start uh, Cal Peterson against, like, all the playoff teams. I feel like neither of them would complain about that. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I that also means that like Jonathan Quick is going to play the Ducks like eight more, however many times we put, we like we play the Ducks the rest of the season. <laughs> you can give Quick all those starts and <laughs> there's the instant drama right there. Oh my God. Do the Kings play the Blues again? Because there's, there's a guy on the Blues that he absolutely hates. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. David Perron ended up back there. Yes, David Perron. Yes. They do play St. Louis one more time on the 27th. Oh, yeah. So just. Oh, and they play, they play Dallas so uh, he can go punch Corey Perry. Oh, God, yes. And then maybe we can actually get a win against Nashville. So if you have Cal Peterson start against Nashville and Arizona, well, let's see. If they, if they keep to the split schedule as they've been doing, Next up is Jonathan Quick against his uh, former backup, Jack Campbell, which, oh, my God, I really want now. Oh, no, I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> or, or we could have the backup bowl, which we never got. Remember when Ben, I don't True. know, Ben Scrivens, when he was traded, yeah. and Jonathan Bernier, we have not gotten our backup bowl with the Maple Leafs yet. I just want our backup bowl, which would be hilarious. <laughs> I mean, the Kings had three Man. days off. <laughs> so um, now I want it. Now I want this. <laughs> you know, Jonathan Quake is going to start on Thursday against the. Maple. Oh yeah. <laughs> so let's see. Cal Peterson starts against Minnesota. Yeah, they're another playoff team. Jonathan Quick against Colorado. <laughs> no playoff team. Although it'd be funny <laughs> if they gave Peterson back-to-back -back starts against Minnesota and Colorado. And then Jonathan Quick, back-to-back -back starts against Ottawa and Anaheim. Now I really want this. <laughs> uh, Someone go find Rob Blake's email address or Todd McClellan. <laughs> so, quick, somebody get me on the phone with Todd McClellan so I can just beg him to do this. You're like, you don't understand. We need it. <laughs> we need this drama in our lives, Todd, please. Although, how funny would it be if um, Cal Peterson got the start against the Canucks and crushed their playoff dreams? I mean, that's really all I want coming down the stretch is for, like, as many games as the Kings can play the spoiler on as possible. Like, that, that is what I want. Like, the rest of the season is meaningless to the Kings, so <laughs> I'm super excited for what teams do they eliminate mathematically. Oh my god, that would be hilarious. I think Montreal is on the cusp. So if they can take points from Montreal, Vancouver, and Arizona, oh, what a dream. 
Are yeah, we- I'm gonna figure out who to, who to write letters to, to to try to make this happen. Are we evil? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, obviously. <laughs> I like that there's no question in your mind. No, none at all. <laughs> but I mean, Calgary had no qualms when they ruined our season in 2015, and then I think they did it again in. What was it, 2017? I can't remember. But it's... If we can ruin other people's season, that's fine. Because we've had our season ruined by other people. Yeah, that's that's my goal for the year. <laughs> Although, how Kingsy was that game against the Golden Knights where they just were like, oh my god, they were so bad. Every time... Yeah, they- they they tried for like eight minutes <laughs> and then got lucky a couple of other times. And then the rest of the time they were just like, all right, Cal, figure it out. Bye. <laughs> Peace out, bro. Uh, you're on your own. Which I kind of think that is almost better because if you don't try to, on the one hand, blocking shots is great. But on the other hand, you have it, that would give you a tendency to like screen your goalie. And I had mixed feelings whenever they and they whenever Alex Faust talked about Alec Martinez, and then Alec Martinez ran into. I mean, I don't know. I don't think he was trying to. He accidentally ran into Cal Peterson. I was like, oh, Cal, but also, oh, 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 Martinez. Oh, I don't like this. I can't. My heart. I mean, the super weirdest thing was after that happened and like I Mar- it was an iffy penalty because Pohorkin definitely kind of pushed him a little bit and yeah. I, I think that that call could have gone either way uh, but afterwards like Trevor Lewis is getting up in Martinez's <laughs> face like trying to kind of rough him up after hitting Cal Peterson and I was like this is breaking my brain like, <laughs> and I know that he was like kind of like aggressive against like Adrian Kempe like like hitting him at point like I was like this is this is weird and, you know, it makes me think a lot about, like, how these guys are so much more professional than I could ever be <laughs> because I would have such a hard time, especially, like, Trevor Lewis, who has won Stanley Cups with this guy and who has known him for, you know, as long as they've been on the team together. And, you know, this is why I'm not a professional athlete, aside from the fact that I grew up as a music nerd. Like, <laughs> like how do you do that? How do you compartmentalize, like seeing this guy who you have like fought with and bled with and you know sweat with to win the ultimate prize and like you're like well you're the enemy now like I'm gonna get mad at you because you hit my guy like I don't know how they do that like that's amazing every time team USA and team Canada's women's teams play each other it just breaks my brain because a lot of them are like couples so like they're in relationships actually Megan Duggan um, who was, I think, captain of Team USA, or or she was on Team USA, obviously. Um, she married Jillian Apps, and they're going to have a baby together. And I'm like, but, huh? uh, and the hilarious thing about that is that um, Duggan and Apps always used to take, like, a bunch of penalties on each other, because Apps is Canadian, and Duggan is American, and America and Canada on their on their women's teams, they have such an intense rivalry, but off the ice, they're literally married. Literally, that is their bed partner. I'm like, I don't, what? No, I, my brain can't handle this. <laughs> 
And then like you go home at the end of the night and you're like, yeah, sorry about that time I checked you into the boards. Like, <laughs> what do you want for dinner? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's like Julie Chu. To, and, and like they have an adorable little girl too. It's just kind of like, it, it's funny because it's like, literally you like it's like oh sorry i cross-checked you honey i still love you see you tonight for dinner <laughs> like ah i mean but these guys are friends um like the, the the nhl guys they're a lot of them are friends off the ice but it's hilarious to me because you know like drew dowdy is not actually friends with logan couture but they kind of grew up together but they're still friendly off the ice like i can't i get I guess I personally just get too hyper competitive, but I just, it's so personal. How do you not? How, like somebody cross checks you or high sticks you in the face, like, how do you not get upset about that and take it personally and like hold a, gr a grudge against them forever? I'm just imagining like a very bitter, like texting, like, <laughs> like texting campaign after the game of just like, bros who are friends but also enemies like <laughs> I, I i've just gone off to writing a whole like fiction novel like please <laughs> yes I, I need this in my life sarah please write this fan fiction for us <laughs> all right i want to look ahead to thursday's game uh where we're all going to have to suffer yet more heartbreak jake muzzin is not going he's with he's traveling with the team but I don't know if they're going to be, if they're going to have him included in their tribute video with uh, Jack and Cam, uh, Jack and Kyle. Nope, too weird. With Campbell and Clifford. Um, because Muzzin broke his hand. Because the Leafs are eternally cursed. Um, I just, it's, it's too weird to see Clifford in blue and white. It's, it was not as weird and wrong as it was seeing Toffoli in, in a Canucks jersey and Martinez in that god-awful Golden Knights jersey. It's just <laughs> kind of weird to me. Yeah, yeah. Some, something about Clifford just looks <laughs> very off in that jersey. Like, I'm glad that he's, you know, having a good time and being successful and playing on a team that gives Leafs fans headaches like <laughs> <laughs> but uh um I mean Clifford was the the one who without Cal Clifford we wouldn't have had the whole uh Zamboni e-bug thing happen well because, thanks Clifford I guess right I mean he he should be I mean, he shouldn't be a hero because he hurt poor Peter Mrazek, but um, he, he, he could be because he, without him, we wouldn't have had this whole storyline that has uh, consumed the NHL since the second it happened because the Leafs got beat by a Zamboni driver. <laughs> oh, Thanks, Kyle. <laughs> I will say disappointing Leafs fans and... Uh, stealing two points from them that would be fun i mean i i sincerely hope the kings win this game <laughs> <sighs> how fun though would it be for jonathan quick to face off against his backup we have had that because uh quick has played to get uh, against bernier i think when bernier was with toronto but i, I can't remember 
but I know it has happened. I just think it would be a lot more fun if it was Cal Peterson, like I said, versus Jack Campbell. And I want Sheldon Keefe and Todd McClellan to give this to me. Please, guys, I'm begging. I don't have a lot going on in my life. Please. Give poor Frederick Anderson a break and, and just let Jack have one of his uh, six wins. Or, well, he has he has to win six games. He, he's only started four games, so. Yeah, like they need to stop denying <laughs> us this happiness. We're not making the playoffs. Like, just give us what we want. Yes, I want Jack Campbell to face Cal Peterson. That would be a dream come true. Mm. <sighs> All right. It was a crazy weekend. The Kings are weird, and of course the Kings would get hot or whatever and go on a roll and do this crazy thing where they're 6-3-1 uh, they're and one in their last 10. I mean, you know what? I will take a win over Vegas anytime. Like, if it turns <laughs> out that, like, I think what the Kings were, like, 3-1 and one against them this season or something or wh- yeah. whatever, like – if those three wins happen to like, if you do the math that they keep us from getting like the number one draft pick or something, you know what? Like <laughs> it might be worth it. <laughs> yeah. Um, somebody was asking uh, on Twitter last night there, they were like, um, shouldn't the team be trying to lose? And Dennis Bernstein goes, yeah, you tell Brown and Kopitar and Dowdy that they should be losing. Go for it. I'm, I ain't doing it. I was like, look, I think everybody should just have fun. It's at that point of the season where there's nothing left to do other than just go out and play because you literally have to. Yeah, like, have fun. Like, let the young guys take on big moments. Like, I feel like all of Todd McClellan's comments after games have basically been like, listen, we are watching. Like, we're evaluating you, and we're seeing who has it and who can play on this team in the future. So I I think that they're they're meaningless games in that, you know, they're not going to get anyone to the playoffs, but they mean a lot to all these bubble guys who um, are are fighting for, you know, their next contract or a spot on the team next year or whatever. And so, you know, that's making them kind of fun to watch because you're getting to see a lot more of guys, you know, like, yes, every time you see Austin Wagner, like, zoom towards the net you're like oh great here we go again but you know it's players like him that really are going to have to step up and prove themselves in these last however many games there are so as long as it's fun and like kind of interesting and no one gets hurt like let's just let's just see what happens let's let it roll I gotta say though Trevor Lewis's spinorama goal and then him not knowing what to do after it went in that was just both Pete Lewis and Pete Kings, and it gave me no end of delight. I literally screamed when that puck went in. I was like, is that someone that's other other than Trevor? Like, did I read the numbers wrong? It was like the least elegant spinorama I've ever seen, <laughs> too. But, like, he did it, and he, he it was amazing. I'm so proud of him. <laughs> I was like, wait, is that Wagner or is that Lewis? No, Wagner was still in his own zone. He sprung Lewis for a breakaway. Wagner and Lewis teaming up for that goal was the most improbable thing ever and also the most delightful. It's sort of a shame that that wasn't the game winner. (laughs) Yes, but it made everybody scream. So was that the three 
three out goal or was that the four four uh four one goal uh, no that was that was the third goal third goal what was the fourth goal uh i follow on the power oh, play oh yeah i i thought it went off a golden knight stick like i thought somebody I put it too. in the net i was screaming i yeah. was like oh no <laughs> yeah. my, like, my initial tweet that I like fortunately like the replay happened right before I hit send but the initial tweet was going to be about like thanks Las Vegas for that one um <laughs> but then they were playing a replay and I was like oh no no he actually got it that <laughs> he had a stick on it to be fair Alex Faust from far away he thought it went off a Vegas stick I mean it looked like Vegas put it in their own goal um, I mean, good for IFALO and, and whatever, but <laughs> it would have been so much more delightful <laughs> if Vegas had scored a goal. <sighs> I truly am horrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of bubble guys, Nikolai Horkin, he had a really good game. Yeah, I, I feel like he, I, I would love to know what conversations go on especially with like someone like him who's been scratched a whole bunch because he like he like he had that really strong stretch of play earlier in the season where we were like okay yeah cool this is great like good like good depth player or whatever and then he was kind of invisible for quite some time but you know maybe he found another gear maybe someone sat down and had a little heart to heart with him about what's expected um you know he's probably one of the players who McClellan is kind of referring to whenever he's talking about like you know I need to see guys stepping it up and you know showing that they want to be here and um you know maybe maybe he got a message that was being directed towards him but yeah he had a good game he has been you know the beneficiary of Jeff Carter being out with some sort of nebulous unspecified injury and he is definitely playing like he wants to keep that roster spot uh, once Carter comes back so that'll be some interesting decisions for for the team uh, coming up at some point in the future maybe no one has really said much about what's going on with Jeff Carter I believe John Rosen said that they're hoping he's going to start skating. Well, I thought it was at the end of the last week. Somebody said hoping that he'll start skating in the next few days. But yeah, I, there was he he skated and then basically like quit very soon, like because he like whatever is wrong with him, they're like, oh no, he's not ready to go yet. So, you know, I think they like tested it, whatever this injury is, and his body was like, yeah, no. <laughs> I'm sure he would love to play and the Kings still have like 16 games left. I'm sure that they would love to have Carter back and I'm sure he would love to come back. But at the same time, there's five weeks left in the season. What? You got nothing to prove. Why not just go to Gagne Island and just kind of sail off into the sunset? For those who are the uninitiated, uh, so in 24, nope, 2012, so Simone Gagne was playing on the Kings, um, and then he got injured in, like, December. He had, like, a concussion or something, and he was, go- he was going to miss the playoffs, and then he came back just in time for the Stanley Cup to play in game three, 
or four of the Stanley Cup final, I think it was. I forget which, I forget what it was, but he came back in the, during the Stanley Cup final um, to play against New Jersey. But um, it was just kind of, they, they, nobody knew what was going on with Gagne for several months while he let his brain heal. So all I'm saying is, Jeff Carter, take care of yourself because you are far more important to the team, fully healthy with a nice, what are we at? Six months, six, seven months off. Just kind of hang out with your kids, hang out with your wife, do shirtless beach volleyball. I mean, it's the best time of the season in SoCal and you're right there on the beach. So I say just let your ambiguous lower body injury just kind of take you off for the rest of the season. I mean, yeah, I, I think there's something to be said for shutting a guy down, like, in a lost season for a team, especially, like, a guy who doesn't have anything else to prove. I know the, the Sharks shut down Eric Carlson, who broke his thumb. Like, theoretically, he probably would have been able to return before the end of the season. But they were like, yeah, you know what? Like, it's fine. You know, and, and much better to have him not risk getting hurt again and um, also give the team a chance to evaluate, you know, other younger players so it is certainly not uncommon uh it just the the cagey nature of whatever is wrong with him I feel like the team had been fairly good all season about talking about injuries and being a little more transparent than uh, they usually had and they have backslid a little bit to just being like I don't know there's something wrong with them Well, I don't know if they'll ever be able to talk Daryl Sutter and the famous body injury of, I think it was 2014. Matt Green got hurt and, and they were asking Daryl Sutter, who very famously does not talk about injuries at all. Like, if you're injured, then you're kind of not dead to him, but you, you're like, don't come back until you're healthy, kind of, with, with Sutter. But um, somebody asked him, and he goes, it's a body injury. That's it. That's all he said. It's a body injury. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> yeah, so I think reporters were asking if it was, like, a lower body injury or something, and, and he just, yeah, he just said it was a body injury, and that was, that was it. He shut down the conversation after that. <laughs> They make it real easy to know sometimes whenever that line of conversation is just DOA. (laughs) I mean, Sutter always hated press conferences, which is kind of hilarious to me. Like, he he had the the tolerance of somebody who absolutely hates doing something and only does it out of contractual obligation. He's not going to make it easy for them, though. It's just interesting to me, the the difference between him and, and, and Todd McClellan and McClellan is a lot more patient with the media. He's willing to give more thought out answers. Whereas Sutter is fly at 11, (laughs) you know, stuff like that. Classic. (laughs) I don't know if you watched that press conference um, during oh, yeah. that series. <laughs> uh, I was rewatching the, the, the King's Road to the Stanley Cup in, from 2014, and it was just funny to me because, um, you know, it seemed like they were going to do so well against Chicago, and of course Chicago is 
not going to go away quietly. Why would they? they? They were the defending champions. And I said, what did you say to your players? Fly at 11. What, what do you, where do you go from there? Like, I mean, like, it, it, I, I would have just sort of blinked and been like, okay like i i have gotten certain you know my my experience you know in interviewing at the hl level is you know not quite the same as daryl sutter and the coach that i get to talk to is the polar opposite of daryl sutter and that like he will answer any question you have of him like he would talk to you for 20 minutes if you wanted to um but there have definitely been some times where you ask a question and it's after a bad game and um you know, you're, you're, you don't really know what you're going to get from him. And you're like, Oh, tell us about the blah, blah, blah. And he's like, it was fine. And then just sort of looks at you and you're like, okay, well, <laughs> who's next up? Who, who else has a question? Cause I'm out. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'm actually out of topics now. So do you have anything else you want to talk about, Sarah? I think I'm good. Well, thanks for joining me. And again, thanks to Zach for joining us tonight and talking about all things rain. Good luck to Ontario in their playoff push.